Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning, everybody. Guess what? It's Friday morning. Super happy about that. It is, uh, which means this is like episode 11, I believe, of uh, Duffified Live. So thank you all so much for hanging out with me as much as you have for the last couple of weeks. And um, I got a great call from uh, a buddy of mine yesterday who said how much he, uh, he enjoys listening to uh, kind of my opening little monologue where I talk about service and industry and, and all of that stuff. So um, this week's is going to be a little bit brief because my guest uh, is a pretty dynamic dude with what he does, and, and I'll get into him in one second. But right now, I just want to kind of talk about a little bit of <clears throat> uh, something that I touched on last week with a, a statement about from Andrew Zimmern, um, where he talked about after winning his James Beard Award that you know, he wanted to thank all the back of house people and all the people that are behind the scenes for everything that happens. And, you know, we don't, we don't have the opportunity to do that enough. And, and everybody knows that. So I'm not going to sit here and like blow, uh, you know, blow smoke up everybody's ass and, and, and get all, all, uh, sentimental. But <laughs> in reality, it's a huge part of what we do. And, and a lot of times we take that for granted, whether it be our bussers, our dishwashers, our, you know, our line cooks, especially our prep cooks, um, you know, our prep cooks, cooks, the ones who really get everything kind of set up and ready to rock and roll for us and all that good stuff. So, so I, I, like I said, I don't want to sit here and blow that out of proportion the way that we, you know, a lot of people do. And, um, but I just thought that whole thing with Zimmerman last, uh, a couple of weeks ago up at the, at, uh, the James Beard Awards was just so <clears throat> poignant at that time, because, you know, we're always, especially in this day and age with chefs and bartenders and mixologists and owners and, you know, uh, kind of running with the limelight as much as they can. Look, I do it myself. It happens. We get caught up. But I always kind of remember back to my days when I was, you know, a line cook and when I was just kind of running around, um, which there wasn't a lot of that time. I mean, I've always kind of run kitchens. I've always been the leader in the position. There was a period of time where I kind of stepped back um, just to do a little bit of learning. And that was at the Stripe Bass in Philadelphia. Great experience. Um, unfortunately, worked under a horrific sous chef. Uh, I will never mention her name, but she was quite possibly one of the biggest bitches that I've ever come in contact with. And hey, look, I, you know, I had somebody when I said that once before said, oh, well, you just don't like women in a kitchen. But I'll tell you what, I love women in, 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 first off, I don't know why we have to talk about whether it be a man or a woman in a kitchen, but I'll tell you what, you put a good, strong woman in a kitchen and those boys are going to snap right into place. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got a couple of women that work in my kitchen at, at the craft house in Philadelphia. I'll tell you what, they crush it, man. They blow past some of these guys. The organization, um, their execution, their presentation, they blow past some of these guys. You know, a lot of these old school line cooks um, think that women shouldn't be in kitchens. And I've heard it been, I have heard it be, you know, be said in the past or it has been said in the past. You know, maybe go back and, and finish, you know, prepping or whatever it is. But guess what? That guy who's working the line who can't get that burger out on time, I'll tell you what, she had no problem getting that pizza out on time. But... With having, uh, you know, women in the kitchen, you know, kind of keeps guys on their toes. 
especially when they're they're powerful women. You know, it's a it's a great it's a great scene. It's something that I've always really kind of enjoyed. So so I think where I'm going to go with this one is pretty straightforward. You know, let's thank everybody back there. But I'll tell you what, let's thank some of the women that are in these kitchens. I know some amazing women chefs who just crush it. You, know, you talk about Kayla Robeson, what she does down there in Cincinnati. You talk about. Uh, you know, my good friend, Lauren Brown, who's up at, uh, you know, Restaurant Danielle up in New York, who, you know, she just busts her ass. She crushes it. She always kills it. You know, looking at some of these amazing women chefs that I've met in my life and people that I've come in contact with. And I'll tell you what, working with those women in my kitchens has made me a better chef as well as made uh, some of my line cooks much better cooks. So I'm going to kind of leave that right there with that. Again, Andrew Zimmern, thanks for a great speech up at James Beard. Um, you know, let's, uh, let, let's keep them in the forefront. Let's pay attention to the people. I love when I do dinners and I get to pull a whole staff out of a kitchen and say thank you to them. And, you know, I really try to thank my entire staff every single day that I walk into the restaurant or into a restaurant. Um, you know, it's important. Uh, it, like I keep saying, especially in this day and age of limelight where, you know, everybody's putting the limelight and we don't pay attention to the people that are in the back. So thank them all and definitely get back there and, uh, thank your women chefs too, because, you know what? Sometimes they got a lot harder because some of these old dicks that are working the line are treating them like shit. So fuck that. One of the things about this show is I get to interview people that interest me. And I get to interview people that, uh, that I whether it be on the road or something to that effect. Like I get to travel a lot and I meet really cool people. Well, what I, one of the things that I keep finding that I come back to a lot is, is my inner circle, my group of people that I really like. Because you know what? I'll tell you, there's some, there's some pretty interesting people. And we do hospitality and we talk food and we talk that stuff a lot. But I think one of the cool things about what I get to do when I interview people is I, I get to interview people from all walks of life. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some really cool people that I interview that are that are actually very close friends of mine. These are some of the people that I call the coolest kids on earth. Um, and they're Philly friends and um, you know they're important to me in my life and in my kind of growth as I move upward and onward. Um, they're a very important group of people. And this next guy that I talked to um, is a guy that I met a couple of years ago, many years ago, when I was in, uh, I believe it was Orlando, where I used to do a show. Uh, I used to be one of the spokesperson, like a live spokesperson for General Electric. So yeah, General Electric. And I worked on their profile line. And their profile line, there's two different lines really that GE had at that point. It was Monogram, which was like the uber super high end stuff. And then there was the profile line that was a little bit more affordable to the average consumer. It was a really nice, appear, like great stuff. And what's funny is a lot of the technology in the profile ended up in the monogram. And it was just design um, things that were really different. So I got to travel around with a guy named Martin Yan. And Martin Yan, if you don't know, uh, is one of the original celebrity chefs, if not the original. You know, Julia Child, Jacques Pepin. Um, you know, uh, uh, Martin Yan. I mean, these guys were all like the, uh, the innovators, the pioneers. So I was lucky enough to be able to go around the world and travel with Martin Yan. And not the world. You know, we did a bunch of shows together throughout the country. We had a boatload of fun. He was a really, really very, very nice man, very hospitable man. Um, you know, every time I saw him, he gave me a gift. And one of the things that is, is true in, in Chinese culture is when you give a gift, there's always a monetary value, that to, to not a monetary value, but there's something of monetary inside something of monetary like, whatever. Anyway, so he gave me a knife once, this beautiful cleaver that was, you know, it's a Martin Yan edition and there was a dollar bill inside and he would always give me his cookbooks and really kind of a cool guy. So while I'm traveling the world, guess what? I'm not interviewing Martin Yan today, I hate to tell you. But the guy that I am interviewing, I met on one of these trips while I was with Martin. And the guy's name is Bryce Cooper. 
So Bryce was a designer. He did a show called Design on a Dime, done a couple of other shows. But Bryce wasn't just a designer. Bryce was a character. Bryce was one of those guys that, uh, you know, you instantly have, have a, um, an interaction or an, a, a reaction, a attraction, a, um, an interest. Uh, you know, Bryce is one of those guys who we just became friends. And through that friendship, we got to have, you know, a couple of cool experiences together. I was just out in San Diego and Bryce and I got to go out and have some lunch and, or have some brunch. And, um, you know, I was hanging out with some friends out there and, and I got to see him or I'm sorry, when I was out in L.A. Um, but there's a time where Bryce and I were uh, I, I met him in Chicago and he picked me up and we went out to this crazy studio. You know what? We're going to talk about all this while we get out there. Bryce is a very, very interesting man. And Bryce is a good friend. And I want to thank Bryce for spending, you ready for this, everybody, an hour and a half with me. So that's why I'm kind of doing a really quick short tonight, you know, really quick short um, kind of intro to all of this and a quick uh, kind of monologue in the beginning. For me, uh, talking to my buddies is one of the great things because you guys get an insight into uh, just a little bit of the craziness that, that I get to see uh, when I travel. So... Check out me, uh, check out this little conversation that I get to have with my really good buddy, Mr. Bryce Cooper. All right, brother, what's going on, man? How are you today? That's you. I'm talking to you. All right, I'm doing pretty good. I'm talking <laughs> to you. I'm talking back. Do you want me to, should we start that over? No, fuck okay, that. Good. That's the way fuck we it. do it. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So one of the things you need to know about the show is that uh, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we already, within the first, uh, just so you know, eight seconds of the show said the word fuck. So we win. So my (laughs) exclusive rating continues to go forward. All right. We're going to send it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you guys already know, as I said a little bit earlier, that I'm talking to my buddy Bryce Cooper, who I met Bryce. Shit, dude. We met. uh, I was going to like 10 years. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's 10 years, but it feels like, like all of it. I mean, 2010, so it's like seven years probably. No, it's, it had to be earlier than that. Yeah, it might've been. Cause yeah, I had the store after that. So yeah. And you uh, lived, you were still living in, in Elgin. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I bet it was probably 2007. Dude, can I eight? tell you, uh, everybody just so you know, so Bryce, uh, we met at a food show. No, we met at the business show, the builder show and at KBiz, didn't we? Yeah, I think it was a KBiz. In yeah. Orlando. Oh, God. Or Chicago. Yeah. It was either Orlando or Chicago. Either one was a shit okay. show for sure. Because we No, it was Orlando because I remember going to Howl at the Moon. Remember going to Howl at, not Howl, it was at Howl at the Moon where they have the dueling pianos? <laughs> dude. Remember that night? I, I tried to forget as much as possible. That was a great that night, one, dude. And that one still stays with That's me. That was a great <laughs> night. That was a long time ago. I was married. Jesus. That's how long ago that was. It was a hot minute for sure. So, yeah, that was fun. So, so I met Bryce through uh, uh, the woman who handled all of the lighting for GE. So you guys know I used to do spokesperson work for General Electric for the uh, the profile side of things with with Martin Yan. And Bryce and I had met in Orlando. We ended up going out, hanging out with my buddy Matt Jones. Oh uh, yeah. I don't did Anita go out with us that night? Uh, I think she did. She, she started with us for sure. And that was kind of like when we got to, you know, it was nice because everyone, I mean, it was a different time. I mean, it was a totally different time as yeah. far as career wise, fun wise. I mean, the stuff we were doing, you know, we had good ad agencies attached to that work. I mean, it was yeah. fun. It was, but it yeah, that's when you and I and Matt were. That was a blast. Matt was, Matt's an awesome dude. Matt looks like Santa Claus now. He's got two kids. 
Super cool guy. I've I haven't talked to Anita in years. Yeah, it's been a been a hot minute for me too. She good? I think so. I think she's in Chicago. I think she's uh, I think she's doing something with art now, which is uh, you know quite a transition, obviously. So she's kind of hanging and doing her thing. Uh, I mean, I know her kids in the Air Force. I mean, her that's daughter's awesome. rocking. So yeah, it's it's all good. I mean, that's that's what's fun is you get to you know meet these people at different. It's like a carnival. You know, everybody's got this like under war camaraderie when you're doing that kind of spokesperson work, you know, it's these shows that go up so quick and then you meet each other and then you, you know, Hey, I meet you in Orlando. And then all of a sudden, you know, you wind up in Philly borrowing your Harley and scratching your buddy's bike to go to a Dude, that's, and, and you, and you left. And the funny part, so Bryce came down, there was, what was the event that you had gone? Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's do this first. You, what, what is your relationship with motorcycles? Whew. Um, so I was actually a uh, professional motorcycle racer at, at the end of it all, believe it or not. I, I, I didn't really uh, start that way. I kind of always liked bikes, liked old bikes. And, uh, you know, my first bike was a 1968 Triumph and uh, built it up from scratch and had this, you know, bitchin' bobber. And uh, I remember I was hanging out, you know, with all these Harley guys and they were in, in a motorcycle club, basically the the um, the outlaws out in um, in the midwest hell's angels they, they were yeah, pagans. yeah they're the same i mean they're not the same by any means i won't say that but you know they're like and they're actually like rivals and uh you know i didn't know shit from shine and i was 19 20 years old build this bike and i show up to this harley shop and, and everybody's like ah what kind of bullshit bike you got and then i came out and i had this you know, try up and they're all kind of reminiscent about the years they had one. And that's why I started on. And I don't know. I just think English bikes, you know, they've got a great history, especially in, in uh, the U S just because, you know, it's kind of where it started. They were the super bikes. They were the R ones. They were the crotch rockets back in the fifties, the forties, you know, there's wartime, you know, all that stuff is cool. And, you know, I just, I've, I've got a Harley, I've got British bikes. I've got probably, I don't know, 17, 18 bikes right now. I've always loved motorcycles. They're just one of those things. And then as I got older, I, um, ended up, you know, being a television host for a little while, making a little bit of money go. And I thought, you know, I'll go road racing. And I did it. I was decent at it. And like, Four or five years later, I ended up kind of larking into a pro team and ended up racing Harley XR 1200s for the last four years. I was on a bike, and then about three years ago, just um, ended up breaking my spine. So that was the end of an era. How'd you break your spine? And uh, why did I not know that? I, I, I did know that, but let's just say I fell off the couch afterwards. Nice. No, no. got it. <laughs> no, got it. The no. cigarette, you reached for the lighter for the cigarette, and you just rolled over, and it was over. We can call it a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, no. That's you live in L.A., man. Game the fuck on. Uh, no, no. What happened is I was at uh, uh, Road America, and it was about a buck twenty coming out of a right-hander. They call it carousel. And they just kind of stepped their rear out and saw oh. the grass and went for the grass. And about, you know, an hour later was you know, kind of in a hospital waking up and oh. people telling me my name. So yeah, it's uh, had surgery the next day and all good. All good. Uh, really thankful. I can walk and talk and still be stupid. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of, my girl looked up and was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's it. You know, that's it. You're done. And so some, sometimes you listen. Yeah. Sometimes you do. And in those cases, I think that's the time to listen. 
Yeah, a little bit. So, um, what? Uh, so you you mentioned you mentioned motorcycle gangs. I was out a, 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 I guess about four years ago. We have a group of guys that I ride with, and we have a, a, a great mix of a couple guys ride a Yamaha. We got a guy on a on a Honda. I got you know I'm a Harley guy. We got a Ducati. We got a couple of these guys. So we all go out, and it was like November, dude, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So so to be funny about it, I created a little motorcycle crew called the Frozen Nuticles. And uh, yeah, so there, and what we are is we're a bunch of jackass, like weekend warriors that just kind of head out there. And uh, so we go into this little bar in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we we walk in and there's like there's like 40 Asian dudes in this bar in Lancaster, Asian and <laughs> did Mexican to, guys. Did you go to a karaoke bar? I know. Exactly. <laughs> and they all had cuts on. So oh. I'm like standing there and here literally is like. Me, I've got I've got chaps and boots and jeans and like a North face. Yeah. You know, because I'm fucking white suburban dad. I, I don't have a leather jacket on. I've got a fucking North face. My buddy <laughs> next to me is in full leathers, like white leathers. It's like a fucking power ranger. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Like a <laughs> no power, power ranger. ranger. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the other guys that was with us was dressed similar to me. He had an old school Yamaha, but he had an FOP jacket on because he was a, he was an ex cop. So we walk into the bar and we sit down and the bartender says, are you guys here for the meeting? And I kind of looked around at all the bikers and I said, nope, we're not here for the meeting. And she said, OK, you guys need to stay here. Do not go into the back room. And I'm like, no fucking problem, lady. Don't you worry about it, about it, about it, about it. Literally, literally five five minutes minutes later, three guys walk in through the front door and they pass us and they look at us. One guy's like six foot five and they pass us and they're pagans. So they've got pagan jackets on. So they kind of do the scan of the room. All the other guys, the Asian and and, and like and like Mexican guys all get up and they go in the back. They're having a fucking meeting. So. About five minutes into them going into the meeting, the six foot five guy comes walking out of the out of the back room and just beelines it right for the fucking three guys sitting at the end of the bar, one of whom's wearing a fucking FOP jacket. So he comes walking up and he sits down and he's like, now I already knew his name was Loctite because he had he had Loctite tattooed right here on his neck. As you uh, do, as you do. (laughs) Did you ever see the meme? I'm going to send it to you in a second, but it's a picture of a guy with uh, with tattoos all over his neck. And it said, remember when tattoo when neck tattoos meant badass and motherfucker. Now it means let me talk to you about my vegan bicycle. Yeah, it's so fucking true. I I don't don't get it. Finish your story. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. So uh, so Loctite comes over and he sits down and has a conversation with us in a nice, like very friendly conversation, you know, coming from a pagan. And, uh, and finally he's just like, so who the fuck are you guys? You guys cops? And we're like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, I'm a chef. My other buddy's like, I'm like a project manager. And my other buddy's like, I'm retired, dude. I'm a retired cop. Like, I'm just wearing the jacket. I'm no longer a cop. And we kind of go back and forth on this little banter. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? I'm like, We're, we really do. We just stopped for lunch. Like, that was it. And, and just to give you a really quick kind of brief history, about two years prior to this, there was a massive ring of pagans and Amish who got arrested for this massive meth ring. Pagans the Amish and the Amish. Meth. They I mean, were no. cooking meth <laughs> for 
Yeah, what were they cooking it on? They were cooking <laughs> meth for the pagans, and then the pagans were selling it. And there was like this huge sting that went down in the in the in the western suburbs of Philadelphia with the pagans and the Amish getting arrested and going to jail at the same time. Did you just so, find it a little bit completely? I mean, you don't I mean, even have to finish the sentence. I know what you're going to say and I mean, go come ahead. Come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, the pagans and the Amish. You couldn't make that shit. Up. I know, I know. So we're in. Uh, it, it actually was a little town called Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. So Loctite, nice meeting you guys. We shake hands. Here's me, like Mister Fucking Marketing Guy. Here's my card, Loctite. If you ever need anything, give Stop me a shout. Stop it, exactly. So Loctite like goes in the back and I say to the bartender, I'm like, do me a favor. You buy Loctite a beer. She goes in the back. She comes back out. He's like, Loctite doesn't drink anymore. But he said, thank you very much for everything. Like, and then we walk outside and there are three uh, probies or plebes or whatever you want to call them. Uh, what, 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 probie yeah. that are standing by our bikes, just watching our bikes. We go out, we get on the bikes, we take off. I look at the rearview mirror and the three guys are just going right back into the meeting. It was pretty fucked up, dude. It was like a weird little world. Long story. My buddy, Mike Gannon is never allowed to wear the FOP jacket. If we ride again, it's just yeah, that. that that's a fair. I mean, that, yeah. I, I, actually you should be fucking with a guy who looks like the power ranger first. Seriously. <laughs> you should nip that one. No. first <laughs> and then Go back to the FOP. <laughs> he, he probably came up to you. Cause he thought it was like Nanook of the North. Like invading. He's at the fun, and he's, he's one of my, he's one of my best friends. His name's Jeff. He listens to the show, all that stuff. So he, he actually know he's, he's on Twitter and he calls himself a motor, a motor, a, a motorcycle riding techno weenie. So like if I need to buy a charger for my phone, I call Easy Jeff and I'm like, dude, which ones headphones? We go back and forth. And and the funny part, and you'll get this about the relationship with, with bikers and stuff. Jeff and I can go like six months without talking to each other. We get on the bikes and we have headsets and we're like fucking 12 year old girls texting. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's funny, you know, I've never been able, uh, you know, all my bikes are old as shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the fact is, like, it's a totally analog experience. So as far as, like, the headsets and stuff like that, you know, I want to do it. I want to get in there. I want to be a part of that. But I don't have any fucking bikes that will actually charge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always like, riding my bike until it's dead. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and and like, you I've have got that. a 1946 BSA that runs on a Magneto. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, the equivalent of, like, fire and brimstone on wheels. So, so let's go through. So you have how many bikes? Well, okay, so... I rode with, I went out to uh, Elgin. I came into Chicago. Bryce picked me up one day. We went out to your place. We checked it out. You had this super cool fucking loft apartment that was awesome in this like one light town. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, Elgin used to be a big shit, you know, they, uh, uh, Elgin watch factory. I mean, it was huge, huge, like 1800s. I mean, the railroad ran on Elgin time. Uh, Kennedy and Nixon campaigned in Elgin. Wow. I mean, it, was, it was really bizarre. Uh, Al Capone had his hideout there. But that said, it was just one of those towns that, you know, the the main industry left and Watch Factory left, I don't know, I think it was like in the 60s. And it just changed. It definitely did. I mean, that's where I was from. That's where, you know, I, I grew up. I still got great friends, good family there. And it, of the towns to be from, you know, I couldn't be happier. I was from there. You know, it gave you a uh, a small start. Everything was just, you know, it wasn't like Mayberry by any means. It was diverse right. as shit. You know, we had more Mexican uh, restaurants and churches per capita than like Mexico City and, you know, the Isle of Man. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but 
uh, you know, it's good. I got, uh, it was, it was a great time. Um, family's still back there and rent was cheap. <laughs> you know, I Dude, a, that place was sick. I had a 2000 square foot law for a thousand bucks a month, yeah. with, you know, 20 foot ceilings. So yeah, yeah it it's, awesome. it, now I live in LA and I have a 627 square foot house that <laughs> costs more than, you know, I ever thought I would even amass. Let hey, alone hey sweetie. Paying for mortgage. <laughs> Will you do me a favor while you're watching TV? Can you hand me the toilet paper? Yeah. Oh no. I mean, not even like like, honey. Change the channel. <laughs> you know, exactly. we're on the same toilet. Oh my <laughs> That's god. That's our couch. So so out there, you also had a garage with yeah. one of your buddies. Yep. And in the garage, you had. Jeez, back then, you know, I, I've kept most of them. Uh, so I mean, I guess I have kept most of them. I had a bunch of old Triumphs. I had my Spider, the Porsche. Um, you know, I just started collecting stuff when I was young. I mean, so, you know, every year I'd buy a five or 10 grand bike and that was kind of my savings. And I ended up bringing a lot of it out to LA and it's, you know, I've got 1946 BSA, 1948 Triumph, uh, times two. I've got a 1964 BSA, nine, two 1968 Triumphs, uh, 64 Ducati, uh, 69 Harley, 66 uh, BMW R69S. I've got uh, my race bikes, the Triumph Thruxton, a uh, Harley XR 1200. Jesus got Christ. got a Honda Passport, a Honda XR650L, Baja Desert Bike, 1974 Yamaha XS650, 1977 Yamaha XS650, 1976 Triumph 750, uh, Ducati 996, 2001 I had at the time. I think that, I don't know. <laughs> and you had, and one of the, so we rode, and I rode two bikes that day. So I rode a Beezer and I rode a Triumph. I think I rode yeah, the Triumph through the, the day. Union Jack, yeah. I just yeah. sold, I just sold that bike to my really good buddy. That was, uh, that had that, that state, wasn't that that Chrome that was yeah. on? The, that was a beautiful bike. Yeah, it's the chrome with a big Union Jack tank yeah. and stuff and five speed. And yeah, I just sold it to my buddy Randy and he uh he stoked on it. I mean, we went to India together and you know he, he came back and he's like, I want a classic bike and is he that, grabbed it. Was the was that the bike that the clutch and the brake were reversed? No, that was you Beezer. Yeah. When we switched, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Triumph actually I think I started you out on the Triumph. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this was normal-esque. Yes. And then uh yeah, in the seventies they went to because the US had regulations where they had to switch all that crap to the the side so the dumb Americans could figure it out. It right. was just, I mean, stuff like that is just insane to me. Like standard regulation per you know, like it's a shifter. If you can't figure it out, it's on, on the yeah. other side. You shouldn't be riding a motorcycle. Yeah. But you know, we standardized that stuff. But that, standardized to what Harley was doing at that point. Yeah, that's I true. Guess, I don't a, know. That's AMF town, man. Yeah. Those years. I live right out near uh, York. Ah. Every now and then we get up to the Harley, but it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's uh, one, I, I don't like wear Harley stuff and I'm not, I, no offense, Harley Davidson. I love you. Unless you're going to send me free shit. I'm not, I'm, I'm buying something aftermarket. I hate to say it. And I know that they sponsored you for years. They're good people. And they're very, and trust me, dude, <laughs> I, I love them, man. I mean, I, I, there's something about the bike and, and that I just love the sound. You know, I've got pipes, I've got loud, I, I've got loud so that I don't get hit. Um, that's to me, you know, that's a big thing for me. Um, but, uh, but I don't wear like a Harley shirt. No, you know, it's interesting. There's, there's just different demographics, you know, uh, I did some demographic work for, uh, another 
OEM that was coming out with a kind of a classic bike. They were looking at, and you know, they're like, "How do you position this bike?" And it's interesting with motorcycles. There's a couple different things. I mean, I think with vintage motorcycles, it, it for me, it's a, an accessory in a drawer of all their shit I'm into. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas some people they buy that bike, they're buying an identity, and it's not just Harley. It's Harley. It's Ducati. It's Yamaha. You know, sure. but I, I think you know the Ducati guys are honestly like the ones that you know, if you don't know they own a Ducati, you, you're insane because they will wear. Ducati underwear, Ducati. socks, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's like it's like factory <laughs> sponsored. But it's the same. Warriors. It's the same with Harley, though. Yeah, but the Harley you take for granted. I mean, let's pick on the fucking Ducati guys for yeah. just a sec. They've got more money and they can afford a defense lawyer for slander. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you just you just nailed it exactly. I got a buddy of mine his name Stephen Alitsky, and Steve's a, an amazing dude. I adore him. Uh, he's an old dentist and retired and he's got a collection, you know, he's got a collection of cars and he's got a collection of bikes. He's like, what's, what do you guys ride today? I'm like, I'm riding the same fucking bike that I have every time. Cause I have one. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me what we're riding. I have one bike and that's it. So, and he's like, all right, so cool. Helicopter? <laughs> I'll take the dick. I'll take the Ducati today. And I'm like, cool. You guys can ride two miles ahead of me doing 140 miles an hour. I'm cool. I'm a cruiser. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's for good. Hey, did you ever um, you ever met my buddy Alan Lane? He's out in Pennsylvania. Uh, he's uh, Sport Bike Magazine. Great dude. He he does a lot of the rides out there. Uh, really, really cool cat. Um, I'll hook you up on Instagram with him. He's yeah. a, a rad dude. Uh, into the race scene, really connected MotoGP, AMA, does some really bitching stuff out in Philly. Uh, yeah, you dude, guys should definitely absolutely. be friends. Even though I just like, like I love going to watch that stuff. There's something yeah. about a, 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 I hate to say a club, but there's that. And you know it because you rode and you ride. And I want to talk about that race that you did. I guess it was last year that you went down to Wildwood. But there's something about those things. I love going to them. I love going to like when I first got my Jeep, I couldn't wait to take it four wheeling. Couldn't wait to do it. I mean, that was like, sure. and I get there and there is a group of people. And there was a chick from Maryland whose Jeep was pink and mine's brand spanking new. And I got four kids in the back with she's all lifted up and she comes over. She's like, do you air down yet? I'm like, did I what? <laughs> You're like, listen, these anti-Semitic comments will not <laughs> exactly. stand. She's like, no, no, no. Jew air down yet. <laughs> and I'm like, did you? I'm like, oh, did I air down? I don't understand what that means. And she comes over and she like hands me this, you know, $400 calibration machine that's going to tell me how much fucking air I have in my tires. But Jesus thank God I aired down. You know, I yeah, mean, like no, there is that I went wheeling once, you know, and I thought it was just the stupidest thing before I got there. Right. I'll right, just right. clarify. Did I bought a I, membership to an eighty five hundred square foot four wheel park. So go ahead. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I got there. My buddy Bob out in Arizona and he built this big you know, wheel and Jeep and we drove this thing down the street. And I was like, this is the biggest fucking death trap I've ever been. in." You know, it's like the, the sway bars are all off. It's like, you know, you hit a bump and you sway into the other lane. Now we get out to the desert. And, you know, at 0.4 mile an hour, we're going over stuff I didn't even think was possible yeah. on foot. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. So I get it. And, you know, and that's the whole thing, too, is I think everybody has that camaraderie and you've got a vested interest in something. It's kind of family. And, you know, it's like I think that's I was just watching. I know it's a really bizarre segue, but I was watching uh, a subway commercial the other night and, and this this kid comes in to, and he's like, 
hey, what kind of sandwich is that? It's like the most stereotypical shit on the planet. You right. know, and it's it's the Italian sub. It's got Capricola. <laughs> hey, hey, you hear this? It's got Capricola. Look what Johnny did. You know, and it's like this like Brooklyn, you know, Italian scene. And then they got the list, like like fake mafia guy that comes up. He's like, you done good, kid. You done good. Like buying the sub. And I'm like, how fucking stereotypical is this? Subway comes out with like this like total, you know, like Italian thing. And especially in now, in the light of what, you know, is happening, Jerry. everybody focuses on the, you know, these differences as a don't talk about the differences. But I think the the differences are what makes us good. It's like the four wheeling guys, the, the MotoGP guys, the dirt bike guys. What do you all like? You all like doing shit with people you like. Yeah. And so I mean, there's there's kind of like I wish there were just like a Jeep club for everybody. Or, you know, and, and we just get them out. It's, take take the skinheads bowling. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Take yeah. Yeah. Skinheads bowling. Take them. Who bowling. was that? Dead? Was that? No. That? It, no. It was uh, 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 Camper Van Beethoven. I think. Oh, geez, there you go. I think it was Camper Van Beethoven. But I mean, it's that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, we all like bowling for Christ's sake. It's yeah. like, get out and do it. But yeah, it's uh, Jeeping was super fun. And, and I think the, the race. And, Sorry. Are you, throwing, are you throwing a phone at the screen? No, but I wanted you to see something. I don't know if you can see this or read it, but read it out loud. Do you want me to read it in an yeah, accent? You okay. can do it. Fuck it. Do it in an accent. All right. All right. Let's see here. Friendship is so weird. You just pick a human you've met, and you're like, yep, this is the one. And you just do stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's so true. That's it. Yeah, like, it I is. mean, seriously, you and I met how many years ago? Yeah, I mean, and, like I said, it's like 10. I mean, forever ago. But it, it, it doesn't feel like no. it's been 10. It feels like it's been a, a good 10, if anything. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's like stopping. I mean, I love the fact that I'm like, I'm going to this race in Wildwood. Uh, and you know, I need a rental car. You're like, take my motorcycle. I won't be here. Yeah. (laughs) I I take a, take a Uber to your, your hood, grab a, grab a crash at my house. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it's perfect, man. And and, you know, we've got a little guest house out here and I have so many people come through, especially that I met racing. And it was like that circus, you know, you met, you meet in, you know, Pensacola, Florida, you meet in, you know, Daytona or California and you're on the road all year. And then, you know, in the off season, three years later, someone's like, oh, I'm passing through. And you're like, yeah, dude, stay here. I mean, we, we tell strangers that we meet. And you're like, hey, come come stay. You know, if you need a place to crash, it is what it is. But it, just life short. You go around once. You know, yeah. it's the people you surround yourself. And I, I can honestly say I don't have any shithead friends. I'm really stoked about that. Like The one thing I've done successful in my life, the only thing is had some really, really good people around me. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's it. I mean, I've you know failed at everything else yeah. other, than, other than just being really, really proud of the people I've got in my circle. Yeah. It's important. I mean, I, I, you know, my, the hard thing for me is, I mean, like one of my, you know, two of my best friends are right here in Philadelphia. They're my one buddy lives on a boat. So he's been traveling around the world for the last couple of years. And he like, he texted me last week. He's like, Hey, I'm home. Can you go out and grab a drink? I'm like, fuck no, I'm not here. And then we find out he's uh, he's he's going to be on a boat in in West Palm in two weeks, and I'm like, I'll be in West Palm in two weeks. Done. You know, like clear. I'll see you down there. He's like, stay on my boat. I'm like, good. I just stopped. I just saved two hotels. You know, I mean, there's yeah. like like that's the cool shit. You coming in? It wasn't even. It was you're like, I got to rent a car to drive. To, fuck that. Ride the bike. And then you yeah. scratched it, and you gave me a hundred dollars on my smoker, <laughs> which was so fucking funny because you text me like, dude, I think I scratched your bike. Um, there's money in the smoker. <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, fucking thank God I wasn't smoking something, you know? 
So, but so what was smoking? Hang on, I got so so we got chickens, right? We got Uh, chickens in our backyard. So, how many chickens? I, dude, your pictures are fucking awesome, (laughs) they're absolutely awesome. You like sitting down at a table, and there's like a chicken like pecking at your hat. It's the best. So, so we get these chickens that we we raise them from babies, right? And uh, you know, they're like, I think they were three or four days old. We got them, these little fluff balls, like. They're nothing. I mean, they just kind of bop around. They do the thing. You pick them up and you laugh at them. Uh, and now they get they get huge and they get get freakishly huge in a short amount of time. And so now they're like real live, you know, grown chickens. And you, we're not allowed to have a rooster in L.A. So we can only have hens right. because the roosters, you know, burr, burr, sure. you don't want that like 5 a.m. So um, we've got four of them and we've got Mildred, which we call big chicken, <laughs> we've got Gertrude, which we call dumb chicken. We've got uh, Edna, which we call Sweet Chicken, and then we've got Agnes, which we think is Angus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's such an asshole! And this morning, right before I got on this call, we heard the first crow. Really? Like, no, it's to the farm for you. Oh, that and, sucks. You know, and we're getting we're I have them for pets slash right. eggs. You know, I'm not going to eat them. And uh, it, it's so funny. So we we got them <laughs> the other day. So they've got this heat lamp and, you know, ever since they were a baby, they have a little heat lamp and they've got a coop outside and everything. And so I keep this heat lamp on. I love going out at night. You get to look at them. They're kind of snuggly and cute. You know, they're like docile at that point. You know, they become part of the family. And my girl's telling me all the time, it's like, you got to wean them off this heat lamp. Like, like she's looking at like a tender parent, right? So I'm like, no, they like it. They enjoy it. She's like, you know, they want to go to sleep without a heat lamp. I'm like, no, no, no. Just get them so, used to Coco Van. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I go out in the morning and uh, I'm like looking at one of the chickens. I'm looking at big chicken. I'm like, what the fuck? And her tail feathers are like, half of them are just gone, like cut off. I'm like, what is going on? No, no, no. They're melted off, dude. My chicken caught on fire. <laughs> oh, jeez. Dude, you bet. Nobody, nobody listened to that part. He's really good to his animals. <laughs> so my chicken catches on fire, apparently, in the middle of the night. I come out there. I'm looking. The water's knocked over. I can only imagine this, like, you know, four in the morning. It's like, uh, um, the other girls are like, Mildred, Mildred, you are smoking. She's like, oh, thank you. Girls. Thank you. No, no, Mildred, you're on fire. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, and they don't make any noise when they catch on fire. No, I mean, they just <laughs> cruise around like smoking, hoping the tail goes out. I mean, it's like like a you know, World War II bomber, just like. <laughs> but I go out there like, oh my god! So now we call her roasted chicken. <laughs> all your neighbors are high as shit because they live in LA, and that's all you guys do. And they're going. Was there a Boston market nearby? What's going on here? Unfortunately, it smells like burnt hair. Oh, oh, it's the worst. Like when you reach on the stove and you're just like. Oh, I don't need to yeah. whack this much. Exactly. Dude, I did. I, Friday night, I was on the line. I burnt. And I literally, the first pan, I reach over and I grab it. And I go, ah, fuck. There goes all those hairs. Everything's yeah. gone. It's all gone. But, dude, yeah. that's awesome. What What was the decision to get chickens? Oh, my God. So we've got a friend of ours, uh, Randy, who I sold the motorcycle as revenge to. Um, because his wife sold us a house. Uh, and got us chickens. Basically, we, we went to their house, and we, you know, she's like, "Oh, y'all should get chickens. You know, they're super cool and they're easy." And uh, you know, my girl just falls in love with them. 
He's like, oh, we should get chickens. And I'm kind of like, yeah, we need chickens. Like, we need a hole in the head. <laughs> and, of course, we get the chickens. And now I'm the one, like, you know, you know, they need their heat lamp. They need their binky. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, You've got onesies for chickens. Exactly. Well, hey, I'm, I'm close. I want to get a harness or, or, like, something on my motorcycle where I can, like, you know, take my chicken to work day. But, uh, no, they're super cool. They're really uh, – they're fascinating. I mean, you watch them in the backyard and they – they just kind of, you know, I, I don't have kids. I know you do. And I know you get to watch them grow up and do, uh, cool. you know, stupid stuff and protect them. And, you know, so this is like a uh, the incubator for my compassion. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually get to, you know, kind of watch over them. And our dog likes them. You know, they cruise around the backyard together and just, but yeah, it's super cool. It's like having a Zen garden that you just feed once in a while because they just kind of go out and do their thing. Dude, I'm a big I'm a big fan of 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 I don't know if you know uh, of roosters and all that stuff. Like I got a rooster tattooed on my arm. I know so, you love cock, man. Oh, I love cock. It's fucking the best. <laughs> well, and you know what's funny is I I got I got the tattoo in Ebor City down in Tan- in Florida outside of oh, yeah. Have you ever been down yeah. there? I know exactly where it is. Uh my uh one of my race team buddies down there all the time. It's a great area. And and I and for for a long time I had this guy who I go when I get my Do you have any tattoos? No, none. I none? escaped it. I, I thought I was going to have full sleeves when I was like 16. I was an artist. That's how I started. I was a visual artist. I got accepted to the artist to Chicago. And you know, I thought that was going to be my whole path. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to draw on my arm all the time. Like, you know, I used to draw full sleeves and I thought for sure I was going to have them. Now I don't have any. Hmm. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, and I'll never I won't go full. I don't even do anything on the outside of my arms. It's all bicep and on the inside but i'm a big fan of the, of the rooster and the whole kind of idea of it and pecking order and cock of the walk and and, and all that stuff so it's something that i'm, I'm like a big fan of but it's so it's crazy it's like art, it's evolutionary <clears throat> i mean they're like dinosaurs well and it was it was weird because i was with some friends down in ebor a couple weeks ago a, a, a good friend of mine lives down there and she was telling me it was like one o'clock in the morning and she, and i hear i hear like crowing i hear fucking roosters and I'm like, what? what is that about? And she's like, oh, there's roosters that live in Ybor City and they live up in the trees, mm-hmm. which is the weirdest thing in the world. But and she's like, I honestly thought that she's like, you had no idea. I said, I had not a clue. Like there are roosters that live in town. And she said, I honestly thought that's I know you love Ybor. That's why I thought you got the rooster tattooed on your arm was because of that. But it was just I don't know. Call me weird. It was that weird world of I love roosters and and the idea of me being in. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, come visit these. Come, I come, would too. Are come. you kidding me? I'd love to. I got to get out there anyway because I got to go out and see my brothers. Big week for my brothers. So, dude, uh, how cool is that, dude? It's fucking, so cool. So my brothers won uh, two Emmys uh, and were nominated for two. They got they were nominated for five Emmys and nominated for two James Beard Awards. Tuesday night I went to the James Beard Awards. They did not win, but being nominated itself is pretty awesome. And they won fucking two Emmys. One for Best single camera editing, and the other one was for yeah <laughs> the, the award for the cheapest fucker goes <laughs> and, and you know it's so funny yeah exactly I mean that's and and but I know the the funny part is I know the I know the shot that I think would have gotten it which was they had a uh, they had a GoPro on the front of the car and a GoPro on the back of the car and and they were and and Nancy Silverton was driving with Emerald Lagasse along the Amalfi Coast. So taking this old school, like 1957 Fiat that she couldn't drive because it was not power steering. It was not the normal world. 
And it was this amazing shot. So to me, that's what won that award. But then they got uh, outstanding culinary show at the at the Emmys. So that's epic. cheers to the Ugly Brother Studios for uh, two Emmys. So I'm I'm, I'm glad uh, good people are winning Emmys. I just had this like blast from this the past on one of the shows I was on. But I worked with this producer who was just such a scumbag. And uh, I hadn't even heard the name in 10 years. And it came up and I, I'm like, I should definitely Instagram that dude to see what he's up to. And I'm like, oh, it's worse. He won an Emmy. Oh. I mean, just, just such a piece of shit. <laughs> just like unbelievable. So then when I saw your bros win, I'm like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so happy. Dude, it's so weird. We get like in that TV world that you get sucked into. First off, you get sucked into the TV world. I was like crack. I mean, you make good money. You, you know, the people are, everyone's nice to you, you know, yeah. it, 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 and if you're on camera anyways, but I mean, everyone's nice to you. It's which, really good money and it's just, kind of rewarding because you get to see a finished product and it's a piece of art little and, by little. And you, and you were a part of that and, and you, yeah. you were the focus of it in reality. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really, what, <clears throat> you know, I'll tell you uh, for all intents and purposes, it was, you know, I got picked off an elevator. I was 23, man. It was, you know, so it's like I, I got picked off an elevator, did my first show on Fox. What um, was that show? That was Design Invasion. It was like one of those, you know, 2003. Yeah. This was like. Oh, Everybody so, was trying to emulate uh, so I, trading I, I spaces. I worked for Banyan. I yeah. worked in that company in Philly. I lived in the Omni Hotel, dude. Dude, you know, I've never done anything ever with Banyan. And I'm, I live in Philadelphia and I've been on TV for, I did TV for 14 years. I'll tell you what, I have nothing but good stuff to say about Banyan. They were they're really good people back in the day, at least. Um, I don't know too much about them. I've been out of the world for a while, but they're really good. You know, um, I actually like my office cubicle is next to Ty Pennington, you know, and that dude was like larger than life at that point. Sure. And uh, so my office cubicle was there and, you know, I thought I had arrived and we did 13 episodes and they said, we're going on hiatus. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds fun. What's that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, really? Is that, where's that? Yeah. And then like, three is that the years, islands? I'm like, Oh, that's what hiatus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Fuck. I got my, my little show. Um, I did design on a dime for HGTV and it was literally the most miserable portion of my adult life. Yeah. I just worked with such scumbags. Wow. Um, Oh, it's brutal. And, you know, it sucks because I had some good people like my co-host, super good. Um, You know, the people I was like directly with. I mean, it it was like wartime. I mean, we hated each other. And 10 years later, we're best friends. You know, it's funny. But it's, you know, that's when you realize like those are good people. You know, there's some camera guys that I just I go back and I'm like, great people. Love, Uh, you know, sound guys, great people. And it's like the farther you got in that pyramid, it was like that pyramid was just made of pure dog shit. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's it's, crazy. uh, But, you know, and that's why, like I said, it's it's cool to know your brothers, know who they are and know that those people are getting rewarded still. It's like that to me makes me believe in what I'll call reality television at its best. Yeah, You know, it, it's, I think we've lost a lot. I think scripted television really to an extent, I mean, television escapism, it's probably why it's scripted. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very positive thing. But I think if you can learn from TV, you know, I wrote a TV show called, uh, um, at the time it was Thunder Road and it kind of evolved into a show called what's in the barn on velocity channel. And it's mm-hmm. about vintage motorcycles. We sold it to discovery early on and another production company picked it up after that, after it kind of sat on the shelf for like a year and uh, you know, even like American Pickers, you get to learn a little bit. And I remember the, the liner notes we would get from the network and they'd be like, no, no one will ever understand this. Right. 
and you're like, and I'm not talking like the concept. I'm talking like, you know, this is a vintage cash register. Right. Like, no, no, no. You have to say machine at the checkout line at the grocery store. You're like, why? People are stupid. People, and, and it's sad because I think, you know, how the fuck do you learn if you're not going to put information out there in the world? So it's, we've kind of gone down to that lowest common denominator. And uh, I mean, I think that's like even some cooking shows, you know, it's like that last bastion of you know they used to be recipe based julia child's and you know yeah. this is how you Jacques make Pepin, Jacques, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah yeah you know and and uh i think now it's it's just kind of evolved but i mean i i, I think there's some good tv out there i'm i'm excited to see what's going to come next what that next wave is yeah. and you know hopefully it'll kind of redeem itself to an extent because everybody's got a network now i mean everybody has a network yeah they do. Sony has a network now. Well, what's, so like, what is Spike now? Spike's not Spike. God, I don't even know. Look it up. Look it up. <clears throat> That's what I'm doing. I'm going in, man. I'm going in. I'm going in hard. I'm my own research team. Spike <laughs> TV. Cited source. Me. Yeah, I got it. And you know what? I use Google. As do I. Yeah. As do I. Bing, I'm sorry. It never caught on for me. I don't understand Bing. Oh, yeah, I don't understand Google, to be fair. I mean, I, I live a mile from Google's headquarters here in, in uh, California. And, I mean, all I know about Google is they, they you know, thank the baby. Jesus, because my property value is going through the roof because these nerds are moving. <laughs> it's, it's epic. Dude, it still says Spike. It could be. You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I they still have the same shows. Ink Master, watch, The Mist. Netflix, and uh, I've been crushing on a lot of, like, uh, you know, TED Talks architectural shows yeah uh, food i mean uh, what do you think of chef's table ooh, ooh, ooh. i love chef's table i think it's, it's I, awesome. I really do oh so good i think I it's a great it. show and i love the cinematography of it i love i love um mind of a chef as well i haven't seen that mind of a chef is great it's david uh david chang i believe and he really kind of breaks down a couple of cool dishes and does some neat stuff I, i'm a big fan of it anthony bourdain is the uh, uh the commentator for it but David Chang kind of ran the show, but, but, uh, chef's table was a great show. I loved the chef in Sweden. The first yeah, season. No, oh, oh, the guy that had the, the farmhouse psychotic. Oh, it was nuts. I mean, my favorite, just because it might've been the first episode I saw, but was Francis Mallman. Yeah. Because yeah. He, he was, he's like that total, you know, you know, he's the guy you don't want to actually be, but he's the guy you want to be. Yeah. He's like a literary character. I mean, he's like, yes, my, it is like, you know, my, my, my wife and my daughter are the same age. You know, I'm like, <laughs> exactly. this dude is amazing. Well, you know, he's like, uh, how about Grant Ashatz? Out of Chicago. I don't know if I saw that one. He's the guy from Alinea. Yeah, Alinea. Yeah. Who, uh, who was, who was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Jesus. You're talking about one of the top. And, and I hate to even use that word because it's such a it's a TV reality based word now. But he's a top chef in the country. He yeah, is a no. genius. He's brilliant. I love the f I, look. I'm not into molecular gastronomy. Awesome. That's a great wave. And I think it's amazing. And I've been to um, I've, I've not been to Alinea, but I was at Apiary, which is his cocktail bar. Yep. Which holy shit. Dude, there were five of us. Our bill was five hundred and fifty dollars oh, for insane. like two drinks a piece and, and pork rice. Um, but, uh, but that there's, there's an, there's, that's the artist, you know, there's that, like Blackbird, Avec. I so mean, that is, uh, uh, that's, uh, who's Blackbird and Avec? That's, uh, Charlie, it was Blackbird and Avec. 
I love a VEC. One of the first times that I was in Chicago, I went to a VEC with with uh, with Anita. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it's funny those those great restaurants. I, I will be honest. I want to say they're lost on me. Not 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 the concept, not the execution. Just as as a person, you know, I think the best meals I have are. It, it, it all has to do with the people I'm with, like a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I'm, you know, so even going in, in the money that you go to a really fine establishment, let's call it like a Nobu or something like that. It's lost on me, Bryce, not as a concept, not for other people, just me. Like I like going to the shitty Thai place. I like the Mexican street tacos. The sure. other night we, we came home from flat track race. It was, uh, you know, boys night. We all came through and roll into Venice at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And there's a street cart with these tacos of mystery meat. And honestly, they were a buck a taco and had 10 tacos. I mean, that yeah. was like, and you should, as you should. And that was just, I mean, to me that those are the meals I remember. I mean, now granted, the, the, the ceviche had an Ensenada and got a GI tract infection. That was not <laughs> necessarily going to get – I'll go back. I will go back. Yeah. <laughs> I just eat less. Well, it's, I, whenever I go to Mexico, I mean, my guys down in Tijuana, yeah. all they do is eat. They right. will pick me up at 8 o'clock in the morning from the hotel, and, and I stay in Tijuana. I'm downtown Tijuana. I love it. I'm a huge fan. The The, the culture – the street markets, the church that's in the middle of the produce market. And as soon as they pick me up, they're like, hey, man, you uh, breakfast? And I'm oh, yeah. like, okay, yeah. So where do we go? We go to the multi-million dollar uh, country club in smack dab in the middle of Tijuana in the poorest section. Yeah. And there's this multi-million. And I'm sitting down like eating uh, literally eggs, salsa, you know, salsa verde and like some beans. And that's my breakfast. And then two hours later, we're in the restaurant. Uh, have a uh, tacos. Oh, yeah, like, you, you haven't left yet. Yeah. yeah. No. And we, I mean, and literally we're getting breakfast. And then at noon is, uh, hey, chef, uh, tortas. And I come home and I'm sick for five days. And then I'm eating, you know, entrails at 2.30 in the morning while after drinking Mexican beer all night long. Uh, I was down in Ensenada uh, a couple of weeks ago. So a good friend of mine actually just bought, he took out this crazy project. You know, it's like, it's like one of those buddies that tell you, you know, he's going to build a spaceship and you're like, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's, that's great. That's really cool. And then he, but has a spaceship. So yeah. <laughs> but, but he's got Dave, one. Yeah. My buddy Dave uh, <laughs> says, I want to do these adventure travel uh, cruises. And I'm like, yeah, sounds rad. He was a photographer for National Geographic for a while. Uh, he's in the military, um, like super secret, you know, cool guy shit that, you know, I don't really want to know about. Right. And um, so he's telling me like for like a year, like I want to do this. He kind of puts together a deck. I help him out with a little branding, like just cursory looking over it. And I'm like, this is a lofty goal, man. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, can you come down to Ensenada? I need to revamp the boat I bought. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll go down there. This thing is 165 feet long by 40 <laughs> feet wide. You can land two helicopters and two 50-foot boats on it. It is an old oil barge that um, used to like haul mud. Uh, it's called the Pacific Provider. And it was in dock down in Ensenada. And I roll up on this. I'm like looking for a boat. Right. No, no, no. This is a ship. Right. This Fun. is insane, dude. 
And so I get on this boat and I'm like, holy, the prop is bigger than my body. The prop right. is like seven feet, eight feet tall. Right. And there's two of them. And it, it was just so impressive. But he's doing these really cool adventure trips. I think it's called Offshore Outpost is what they're huh. going to be doing. Nice. And it's like, I don't know, like eight to 10 grand a person. They only seats 12. I mean, it's not because of the space. It's because that's all they're taking. There's six staterooms. Dude, it is. If you want to go touch a polar bear, this is the place. That's I mean, it place. is so cool. They're going to Alaska and Baja, and the food is just the same. I mean, they're they're talking about you know going up to, to Alaska and then being able to grab a you know lobster out in the morning, and that's what you're having <laughs> for dinner. I'm like, that's that is uh, taking culinary to the next level. That's awesome, dude. I would. I have two things. Well, I, I have a lot of things that I want to do with, with you and and in 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 the rest of our life. But I want to ride. I think we should do a little trip and ride down into Mexico. Oh, hundred percent. Why don't you just uh, we'll leave from L.A. We'll go yeah. rip down here. We'll. Uh, I've got bikes. We can definitely go do it. You should buy my shovelhead. Hey. Dude, that's, that's a, is that that's the 72? Is that the 72? 69. Okay. Because you, I don't know if you remember, you and I, after we rode all day, we went back to the shop. So, so Bryce takes me into his garage and it's, it's a garage. I mean, that, that's what it is. There's a garage and we are, I'm looking at bike after bike, after bike, after bike, after bike. And I had just really learned to ride like the year before, um, and I was amazed. You, you know, I hopped out on the Beezer. I couldn't figure that out because it was backwards. Then I hopped on the Triumph and we rode. We did like 80 miles. Dude, I remember this trip. I remember the whole day. We rode like 80 miles, but we stopped into one of your buddy's uh, garages who had a 49 BMW with a sidecar. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it's super funny. So I ended up buying the 66 he had. Okay. Um, and uh, ended up buying that, bringing it out to LA. And yeah, I've got a 66 BMW. Yeah, it's a killer okay. garage. Because, yeah. And, and then and then when we got back from the day, you had just bought that shovel head. Yeah. And yeah. we started up. You're like, this bike hasn't been started in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you did some funky shit because I'm not mechanically inclined. I can build something. It won't look awesome, but I can build it. I can fix things. I can do all that. But when it comes to mechanical and I understand it's an engine, it's got this, it's got that. I'm not mechanically inclined, but that was a cool thing, man. Like we started that shit up. That was pretty fucking awesome. Um, we'll talk about that, but I want to, I want to take, I want to take a trip with you. I want to go down there. I want to just, let's you do and me, let's hop on bikes. Let's go down into Mexico for like two days. That's easy. I'll take you to some great spots. You'll take me to some great spots. Awesome. It'll be fun. I love it. And then uh, I'm riding from Spokane, Washington in June up to uh, up into Canada and then down into Missoula, Montana. That sounds rad. All the way through the forest. Yeah, I'm really, really stoked about that, dude. Are you bringing your bike? Or are you, you no, I'm going to rent. I'm going to rent once I get out there. Do a GS like a BMW, or are you gonna? No, do a, I want a Harley, Harley, dude. I'm gonna do yeah. a Harley. They, you know what they do? They give you the newer bikes that you can take out. So I'll probably get a Road King and and just take off. You know, it's like 100 and, 150 bucks for the day. No, it's it's the way to go. 100%. So it's like an, I think what I did was I mapped it out to go north up into Canada, and then hop back down, and it's a nine hour trip from Spokane down into Missoula. Figure I do that in, in one day. And then I hang out that night, you know, hang out with the Missoulans. Are they Missoulans? I don't know. What would you, I mean, have you ever been to Missoula? I haven't, but I mean, I seem like Missoulans might be like, you know, derogatory. Where's, okay. So you, you of all people are a traveler. Where, yes. where, 
favorite destination and experience from that? Favorite destination. Uh, All right. uh, Two part question, two part answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, Password is (laughs) (laughs) beads. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, We just got back from Havana. And super, super cool. And it was, you know, kind of like going back in time a little bit. So hold on, flew direct from L.A.? Yeah, flew direct from L.A. I'm telling you, uh, anyone out there, man, if you have not been to Havana, go now. It will change. I have $99 flights out of Tampa. Go, 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 go. it's, it's, It's harder to fly from Philly to Canada with like the custom stuff than it is to go down to uh, Havana. It's all legit too. That's the greatest part. You know, we thought we were like, you know, secret spies or something like that. No, like, you know, you call Alaska airlines and they're like, this is the form you fill out, go. And we got down there. Uh, Luckily got hooked up. We got a really good guy in Havana uh, that became like best friends really quick. And uh, we saw the people the places, the food, dude. I mean, I've had a couple of people talk to me and say, hey, the food's not so great. No, the food is amazing. It's just where you go. Right. I mean, we had lobster. We had braised uh, pork. We had all these great dishes. It's all pork. Yeah, not all that. I mean, I really, mean there's a lot. It's because it's, they're, they're it's so cheap. Yeah, that is true. But no, it, it's it's incredible, man. So I really like there. Um, How many days? In, uh, we were down there for six days, wow. I think. Where'd you stay? Yeah. Kind of the equivalent to an Airbnb, they call it a Casa Particular. And so basically what happened, uh, from my estimation, is uh, once Fidel uh, vacated um, and um, passed away, Raul came about and you know decided that they're going to have the ability to – because tourism is really their national export right now. Sure. So the, the, you got these government hotels that are uh, these old, great old hotels, like 1920s, you know, Hotel O'Farrell, these, these things you only read about. I got to go. Well – they're all government owned and those are $400 a night. And right. the level of service is like a motel eight. I mean, it's not that great. <laughs> it's just so, a step up from the six. It, it is. It, it. It's crazy. And it's a motel. I didn't say hotel. Right, right, right. I don't want, outside I don't doors. want Tombo dead on my ass. We'll yeah, leave outside the light doors. On for you. Gotcha. You know, um, <laughs> I'm Tom dead. We'll leave the light on. We'll for leave you. the light on for you. You know, but, turn that um, shit off. I don't want to see it. <laughs> so we, we, uh, sponsor yeah, exactly. gone. <laughs> yeah. Please turn the light off. <laughs> sponsor gone. Um, we got, uh, we stayed at these cost of particulars, which are basically Airbnb for the Cuban people and 30 bucks a night. No. Had our own room, uh, own bathroom, really great family right in the heart of Havana, 30 bucks a night. The most expensive meal we had there. And I mean, the most expensive meal was 15 bucks a person. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, it was incredible. The drinks, you know, our buck, the art scene is hopping. Uh, the music scene is big. Uh, music scene, obviously, uh, you know, is big. I think the art scene is honestly the Virgin. I mean, it's like a Art Basel. Uh, there's a place called the FAC, F-A-C, which is uh, Fabrica de Arte. And it's this old factory building. It's got like five galleries in it, like five stages. And it all goes off on uh, like Thursday through Sunday. And it's nuts. You walk in, they give you a ticket, like a punch card. And you just walk around and you get your drinks. You go up to the bartender, you get your drinks and you tip. At the end, you total out. And they're like, here's my card. And, you know, it's like a parking garage for booze. It's amazing. Really? And the, the art is so good. It's real art. It's not like, you know, clothing for ducks. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not like some. It's not know, Instagram a, art. Yeah, it's not a craft Got fair. It. I mean, this is, you know, these are showing working artists. Uh, and really, you know, some political uh, and social 
uh, you know, commentary through the art. I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, neutered. I mean, it's real shit. You know, it's pretty cool. How did you, how did you get around? Uh, we got around, uh, taxis, hundred percent taxis and walking. Havana is in one of the best walking cities I've ever been to. It's so cool. The architecture is really neat. Um, but you know, the taxis, you do take the old cars, uh, you know, find the best one you can. Some of them are like, you know, smog machines. (laughs) I mean, right. Uh, Cause they've all got diesel engines now, but, uh, you know, you find the right guy and you just, we lucked into it. I mean, I haven't talked to anybody who hated Cuba, but I've talked to people that had less of a great experience and I feel unfortunate for that, but Cuba was cool. And then, um, Isle of man is really, really amazing. I Did love you do that, that race. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I went over there and I thought, you know, big balls, like I'm going to go over there. This is epic. And, uh, we ended up buying a motorcycle because you can't, no one will rent you one. Nobody, you're going to crash it anyway. So like, what's the get, point? Yeah. So uh, we bought motorcycles, went over there, and we were doing kind of like a half-ass test just to see what it was like. And and like you're one, no stranger to speed. No, I mean, you know, I've raced Grand Prix in, right. in the States for, you know, 10 years. And, uh, you know, not, not, not the, not, you know, top 10, not, not in, the, in the lead. Right. But uh, got over there, and I was just kind of like, you know, sussing out the course. And, and it's really narrow, super thin, a lot of undulating, you know, elevation changes. And you're getting it. I mean, you're doing 180, you know, in some of these places. Fuck. And we're going through there, and these two fucking Germans passed me, two up on a motorcycle like as if to say Alvita said and just <laughs> Adios. And, and like you know I'm like got my knee down thinking I'm like you know Valentino Rossi at this point and they're just like you know <laughs> like we'll see you at Saba <laughs> and I was like Jesus these dudes just cruise through there so I was like yeah maybe this isn't the race for me and, and those those boys are doing road racing um I got this uh one of the guys that used to race with Darren James uh, in the Harley series and now a uh, kid, Matt Sadowski in the AMA, they're going over there and they're doing a lot of Irish road racing, like the Northwest 200. And that's a whole different level of ball sack, man. I mean, it's just like, what, what are their names? Uh, Matt Sadowski. I, I think it's Matt who's doing one. Matt Sadowski's doing one and Darren James, he's out of Canada and, um, they're going over there and they're, they're doing, I know Darren did the Northwest 200 or almost positive, but some of those road races, I mean, like the Irish road racing, you want to talk about the last, you know, uh, gladiator sport. That's it, dude. Like short of, you know, sword fighting that, I mean, these guys die. I mean, yeah. they go over there, they race, uh, you know, I think the Isle of Man kills at least a man every year. They said, so they're, they're, so my buddy, Jeff, who I was talking about before him and I have talked about going to Isle of Man. So, so we should have a discussion about going over sometime, especially if you've already been, because we've, it. we've talked about going for, for years and not to yeah. race just to go watch and, and do no, that it's stuff. Amazing. You, know, you go on Mad Sunday and you, you get to, uh, you know, you, like the week, the whole week before, they kind of shut the course down a little bit. So you can actually just go ride on the course. And, and it is, it's beautiful. It's picturesque. It's amazing. But then you, you look at it in detail and you're like, this is insanity. But uh, yeah, it's very cool. Isle of Man's cool. Um, I just got back from a motorcycle trip across India. Um, right. With, that was uh, 10 days with 10 of my really good buddies. And, um, that was amazing. I mean, we, we got to see 14,000 feet in the Himalayas. Uh, we're riding wow. through, you know, places you can only imagine who was there before, you know, goat herders. Right. Um, you start in Delhi, which is insanity. I mean, Delhi is like being in a school of fish. It's, 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 it's just it's, everywhere. 
it's everywhere. It's so orchestrated. It's bizarre. You know, like the traffic is the most insane traffic I've ever been in, but there's no accidents. It, it's because everyone's doing four miles an hour and one guy turns right, they all turn right. Yeah. And it's just, it's like this, you know, syncopated symphony that's just perfect. But uh, Delhi was cool. But yeah, India is really a beautiful country. Um, you know, I think it gets a bizarre rap because we all expect everything to be a Motel 8. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's uh, and have yeah. a level of service, but I don't know. I think every time I go someplace, I just have to kind of, I knock my expectation down to level zero and I start from there. I, yeah, no I always say it's our, 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 in this hospitality and everybody who, who listens knows I talk about it all the time, but it's, it's, ex- our job is to exceed the expectation. And it's funny because people say, you know, did, did they, you know, did they meet your expectations? And I say it all the time, you know, I go into a place depending on, on the, the style of place that it is, the concept that it is. And I have an expectation. And unfortunately, these days, I do kind of knock it down just a little bit so that maybe I can really see a true enjoyment of it because I have high expectations. And look, I'm seeing it in my own place right now. You know, my guests, we're having a struggle. We're having a struggle with my with with my management team and, you know, with with staffing. Staffing is at the worst that it's ever been the worst it's ever been. Well, you know, yeah, it's I mean, you know, it's it's transitional. But, you know, the days are gone when you had a. Uh, a meat guy at uh, Gibson's that's been there 45 years and retires, yeah, you know, in a, exactly. in a condo. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't exist. It's, it's a, a transitional rotating. job for people. Yeah. I mean, even some of the classics and some of the, like my sister's a phenomenal server. She's amazing. She's been at it for years and she has two jobs, but she, she does it and she's great at it. And then you have the average Joe who just shows up, you know, but that's where we come in and yeah. we have to really vet those people out and make it happen the right way. But so what are you, what are you up to now? What's, what are you doing these days? Uh, so for the last six years, I've been uh, acting creative director for Pan Am, the old airline. Right. Um, Which I never, so, you have to explain that whole thing to me. So Pan Am, uh, much like a lot of companies have, you know, what we call brand equity. Okay. And so they leverage that brand equity in their licensing program. So basically the, the golden age of aviation and commercial travel when it didn't suck to get, you know, pulled off of a United flight by your Shit, yeah. The fuck off, uh, dude. Um, yeah, it's uh, that, you know, that has some magic for people and they're willing to pay for that. And they're willing to pay for that, whether it's a T-shirt, an experience uh, where we've got this one of our licensees out. Uh, it's called uh, the Pan Am Experience. You can look that up. It's really cool. They basically recreated a 747 and you'll dig this because it's in a soundstage in Hollywood or outside of Hollywood, Pacoima. Um, full 747 interior. You show up. It's like 300 bucks. You have open bar. And everybody dresses up, it's kind of like dinner theater to an extent, and you have a three-hour flight on a Pan Am seven forty-seven with the stewardesses, the captain, and the six five or six course meal. Really, they do Chateaubriand. I mean, it is bitching. It's super cool, and and you know, it, it's kind of corporate parties, it's people, it's birthdays, anniversaries. So that's like a weird thing. So people are willing to pay for that experience, like so. It, it, it's bizarre. You, you'll go on and you'll spend a hundred dollars on a ticket from here to China on the worst airplane possible. Cause you're trying to save money. Yes. And then people pay $300 to not fly in a comfortable environment. I mean, but, it's like, and they'll pay a hundred dollars and then they'll bitch and complain about it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, which is know. what's shocking. Like I fly American air. I fly American air. It's what I do. Yeah. I may pay a couple of dollars more every now and then for a flight, yeah. but I know I know what I'm getting. I know where I'm sitting. I know that I'm going to be taken care of. And also, but as you, as you, as we get older and as we travel more, we know what to expect. 
Look, if a flight's delayed, there's nothing you can do. It's yeah. fucking delayed. Yeah. I, I think that, the, you know, you talk about like those expectations, though. I mean, especially like service and, and industries. It's the time when you know there can be something done. Yeah. And the, these companies have not empowered people to make decisions because everybody's so fucking scared of repercussions, whether it's, you know, at the worst, uh, I'm getting sued. At the best, I'm getting yelled at or talked to. Right. Nobody even wants to get talked to anymore. Like, hey, don't fucking do that again. And so you go into these places and you're like, well, I don't know. Let me ask. Or let, can I, t- I will see what my manager says. Exactly. Like, they don't want to make this you. Can I have and, it without and, onions? How hard well, is that? It, it, that's the thing. You know, because I don't know if I give it to you without onions, you know, it might be more. I don't fucking care. I just ask without onions. That's all I so, want. It's, it's those type of things that just, you know, I'm in branding. It's what I do now. You know, yeah. it's all I do is I deal with companies and brands and we try to set those levels of expectation. And so it's like, what story are you telling from the get go? Yeah. Are you telling that story from the fact that you've got gum on your door for the last month and the people <laughs> have been there twice know that that gum's there because they've been there twice sure. in the last month. It's like, clean your fucking door. Cause I exactly. want a hamburger that's going to be that way. But that's, you know, maddening to me. Like if the one thing that's going to give me a heart attack is lack of punctuality and yeah. the inability for people to just take charge. I was in, I was in, uh, my daughter rose for crew. Uh, she rose, she rose crew. She's a coxswain. And during spring break a couple of weeks ago there, she, uh, we went out to breakfast every morning, different place every single day. And look, I'm, I'm a diner. I go out. I eat all the time. I, I, I like, and it's research. For me, it's all research. I want to see what people are doing. I want to see what kind of eggs they're using. I want to see how they're making their omelets. There's a lot of things that go into it. So we go into this little place, and I'm not going to mention it because it's just not fair for them because in reality, it's not their fault. It was their server's fault. So I ordered an omelet, and I get the same omelet pretty much everywhere I go. I want caramelized onions. I want mushrooms. And I always say, are they fresh mushrooms? Because I hate canned mushrooms. Yeah. So, and I order a side of Scrapple. I'm in Philadelphia. We eat Scrapple. If you don't like it, it sucks for you guys. But guess what? Y'all eat some funky stuff out there in the rest of the world anyway. So I I sit down and out comes my omelet and there was cheese in it. Well, I don't like a lot of dairy, especially to start the day off because it kind of messes up, makes me very nasally. I'm 45 Mm -hmm. years old, dude. I got, I got, I got things I got to pay attention to. Yeah. So the waitress comes over, the server comes over and I said, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I, I didn't order cheese. And she looks at me and said, all of our omelets come with cheese. And I said, like from, from, from the fucking egg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Egg yeah all of a sudden a cow fucked a chicken and made cheese. Exactly. Have, My fault. Cheesy. Eggs. I apologize. So, uh, she, she then says to me, well, all of our omelets come with cheese. And I said, well, I ordered an omelet without cheese. No, you ordered an omelet. I said, no, I ordered an omelet with mushrooms, asked if they were fresh. They were not. And, and onions. And I wasn't trying to be a dick. I just didn't want the cheese. And she said, well, I'm going to have to go back and talk to my manager about this. Just so you know, you're going to pay for this one as well. That's amazing. I and mean, this, was the, 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 this was the experience that I had. I mean, and, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that it's, you know, one, it's the lack of pride. I mean, and, and I think that might start even at the management. So like you set a tone for the people you hire. Right. I mean, we're responsible for our team, regardless of that's your, your wife, your husband, your dog, your kids. Yeah. You know, you're the head of that team sometimes. And so it's like, what expectation are you setting as management that that's an acceptable hire? Sure. Like where and I think these people stop, you know, from the good brands you remember, the good brands you see. 
that all started to an extent with not necessarily training on customer service. It was pride. It yeah. was like, hey, you're a part of this team. Exactly. And whether that's you're a part of this team and you're lucky because we're paying you and it's the industrial revolution. So you're you're lucky work in this shit factory because you get to eat. Okay, I'm a part of this team. I don't want to get cut from this team. Right. Now you go in and you know you've at your management, you're hiring, you know, some of these places, you're like, well, it's just a breakfast place. No, it's a place where people come. It's people a place come. where you you know, it's interaction. It's where you have the ability to build a life and a family. And 20 years from now, you get to say, I remember that waitress and she was really nice. And now her car's broken down. Let me help her. Or I remember walking up to that waitress and say, hey, remember me, the cheesy egg guy? You're yeah. going to pay for it. You know, exactly. Like, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but but and for me and, and then so and I never I, I always tip. I, I tip. It's what it was. This was not a management problem. This was not a cook problem. This was not a kitchen problem. This was a server issue, blatant server issue. Yeah. So my bill was whatever. She took the, the omelet off, but either way, my bill was still, let's say, like $22. And I, I think I left her a dollar. Yeah. I left her a dollar. And, and then as we walked out and, and Emily, my oldest daughter, looked at me and she said, I, I can't believe that that just happened. And I thought to myself, the worst part about that whole scenario is all she's going to say is, that dick left me a dollar. Oh, no, 100%. There, there's no, there's, yeah, she's not coming back and taking ownership of that and saying, what, you know yeah. what, what can I do differently next time to, you know, she's saying, you know, I, ex, I'm, because you, that, that, that's the other thing. I mean, even on the customer expectation, it's so, it's like, you know, how do you set an expectation? My, my girl deals with this all the time. She's in the design industry and her clients are, I need it yesterday. Yes. I need it yesterday. Everything. I need it yesterday. And it's like, how do you set the expectation of your clients sometime? How do you set the expectation of your your guests at a restaurant or at a store that, you know, there's a mutual respect that has to go back and forth? And, and that's a hard thing. And so yeah. I'm the worst uh, only because I deal with branding all the time. I'm freakish as you are. You know, I do I do research every single day. Yeah. And I remember when I uh, when I came out to California, uh, Nikki Libs, you know, I went to his sure. place. And so that's, I, that's time, Nick Liberato, everybody who we're talking about, a mutual friend of ours. So every time I go to his place, every time I send him a text on how long the service. Takes. Yeah, you should. But every time you and, should. And, and I was like, this guy's either going to kill me or we're going to be friends. <laughs> and well, and. The thing is, I don't do it to be egregious. And, and the thing is, it's a good place. And, and so it's like we're it's an amazing place. And you can see that there's people that invest in change yeah. and change for the positive. There's people who don't. So you go to some place that's formulaic, uh, you know, at McDonald's, there's lawsuits involved in changing your policy. Yeah. Where, but if you're going to get scrapple at the local, uh, you the know, local diner in Concha Hawk in Pennsylvania. Yeah. When you go there and you, you can't figure out change for the better. It's like, what kind of program are you running, man? Yeah. I mean, th th that's, that's the hard part. So, Dude, I struggle. I struggle with it on a daily basis. I mean, every single day I struggle with it. You know, I walked, well, into, I walked into my own restaurant on Friday night, and I walked past a new hostess, and I have a rule that I meet or have some form of FaceTime with yeah. every employee who starts to work for us. That's all it is. All I want to do is sit down with you five minutes. If I'm on the road before you get hired, you, you say, hey, chef, can we FaceTime you? You know, and I'll have a conversation with somebody. So, and not so they know who I am. It's so that they understand my philosophy and my culture and my core value and my mission statement. It's that important to me.
Yeah. I walked in the front door and I walked past, I just kind of, hey, how are you? And walked past the hostess and she almost grabbed my arm. Can I help you with something? And I said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yes, uh, I'd like to go up to the dining room. And, and my daughter was with me. And she, uh, she was like, well, let me, let me take you then. Like just kind of short and abrupt and all that. And she brought us up and I started to put two tables together because there were going to be five of us. And, oh, well, you didn't tell me there were going to be more people. Like this is my hostess. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kind of let it go. And then, and then I walked over to my manager and said, hey, like, I don't know who this girl is. I also don't know if she's been through the program of my training manual, my core value, my mission statement, everything else. And he's like, oh, dude, we just hired her on the fly. We really needed her. And I said, all right, so can you do me a favor? Let's have a conversation with her. Long story, the night goes on. I never had the conversation with her. The next day I walk in, she, I guess the manager said something to her. And about an hour and a half into me being in the restaurant, I walked over to above the hostess stand. And she's laying, she's literally leaning on the hostess stand on her phone, which we have a rule of, we have a zero tolerance policy for phones in the restaurant on service staff. And and I, I pulled her aside afterwards and said, hey, four guests walked in the front door and I sat them. Okay, because you were on your phone, not paying attention. And she came up to me about an hour later and and fully made an excuse as to why she was breaking the rules. Yeah. Just made an excuse across the board. There was no, you're absolutely right. I'll make sure that never happens again. I apologize. I'm sorry. There was an excuse as to why. So now this week I have to have a whole nother culture session with my staff because of the fact that we're missing that beat. We're skipping right. that beat. She's still part of the team. She is a part of the team. And I say this all the time. Have we given you all of the tools that you need to succeed? I can't fire you for not being trained properly. No, fair enough. Fair it's enough. a stand. And I, I say this all the time. You're tough on standards, but you're easy on people. Because if I tell you that you have to wear blue shoes every day, then I expect you to wear blue shoes. And if you come in wearing red shoes as a person, it's not your fault. It's our fault because we didn't give you the tools that you needed to succeed to know that you should only wear blue shoes. You know, I get it. I get it. I mean, I, so. I think that it's, uh, I don't know, it's funny. You know, I, I always, uh, you know, the shower thoughts I have are probably different than others uh, in many ways. But um, the one of them is all these branding exercises. And part of me really, really wants to open a place uh, that, and so I'm going to throw it out there right now so when someone steals it, I can sue them and just don't have to go through the rigmarole and I can make money <laughs> yeah, that right. way. But uh, I want to open the Penguin Room, man. I want to open a tuxedo-only uh, cocktail bar. And Why don't you talk to my buddy? Have you been to Shoe Baby down in LA in downtown? No, no. So do you know? Did you have introduced you to Tips? I haven't. I haven't met Tips yet. Okay, no, we so should, we should do a little. He lives. He lives downtown LA, and he's got a place. It's either called Shoe Baby or Shoe Shoe Baby, and he built this bar based on the whole premise of we are missing out on hospitality. Yeah, we're missing the boat on hospitality, and he said, and one of his mottos is kind of. Do it differently than everybody else in L.A. is. It's time to get back to the basics of hospitality of the world where people aren't just sitting in the bar on their phones. You're engaging and you don't yeah. see engagement anymore. I mean, it's gone. I, I took a picture of four of my children and my niece and nephew sitting at a table the other night. All four of them were sitting on their phones, not even communicating with each other. And I walked over and took all of their phones and they were furious, furious. And I set them down, but then they had to talk to each other. Yeah. There's no. that hospitality. There's that. Cause we don't engage. 
We my text. favorite, my, my favorite restaurant in LA right now is this place called Dear John's in Culver City. Okay. Please, next time you're out here, let me take you here. All right. Yeah. It's it's from 1967. Beautiful. It's on a corner of Culver and Sepulveda, and uh, it's a it's not a piano bar in the truest sense. It's a bar with the dining room right adjacent to it, no separation. I mean, you sit there's you know you're in the dining room of a steakhouse, right? And the food. Uh, you be the judge. It, okay. It's a twenty dollars prime rib, some asparagus, and some mashed potatoes that are amazing. Right. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but then they've got a piano player, and they play like kind of anywhere in between, like Warren Zevon uh, ballad to like a uh, Randy Newman. And this okay. guy Zimmy cocktails with Zimmy, and it just it's bitching because you go in there, and it's kind of like that last bastion of like I'm here to be here. Like, that's why I chose to be here. Not because of it's convenient. I want to be here. And the people you're with kind of enjoy it as well. And there's music that's actually live. So you kind of pay attention. It's not just background music. Right. It's like that kind of stuff that just I think is missing. Like the Penguin Room, I would love to do all tuxedos. And if I have a place to, I want to hire all people that are retired. Just all retirees. Why? Because they don't have to make, you know, crazy amounts. And they don't, you know, and they also have like a certain decorum. Yeah. You know, it's like I would love to walk into a restaurant, white coats, and the 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 hostess is not some twenty two year old girl who is on the phone. And I don't mean to stereotype as a twenty two year old girl, yeah, twenty two year whatever. I got you. But you get in there, and someone says, "Sir, how are you?" There's a place just by us here, Casa Sanchez. Boom. The maitre d comes out every time and shakes the hand of everybody who comes there, happy hour or dinner, and says, "Thank you for being a part of this." My yeah. God, how hard it, is that? My That's bartenders incredible. are supposed to shake every hand of every guest who walks through. Now, look, if it's 10 o'clock on a Friday night, and you're too deep at the bar. Yeah, I, I get, get that. I understand that. But when somebody walks up, you reach out, you say, hello, my name is, and you shake their hand. And 100%. that's what I, because you start with a standard. You yeah. start with a standard. And I have something in my restaurants that I talk about all the time, and it's nuts. It's kind of two part. One, I'm a little bit crazy. That's sexual harassment. I know. I know. Why don't like put my nuts <laughs> on a plate and hand them to you? I'm not putting a pube on a on a Coke. What I'm doing is I'm holding, I'm telling everybody I'm a little crazy, but nuts. And I got nuts from being a man, but I got nuts, N-U-T-S, period, 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 from non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. These are my nuts. I'm crazy about a There's handshake a nuts. at a bar. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cashews, pistachios, whatever you want. But I'm crazy about that. These are yeah. my standards. So if I'm giving you my standard and I'm saying to you, this is what I require you to do every time. How are you not doing that? How are you not doing that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. I, I, so I don't know if you remember. So I, I was a my, you know, minuscule partner in a restaurant in Chicago. And uh, we did this rebrand for a, a hotel, a boutique hotel right there on State Street. And we, we did the, we were doing like the F and F and basically taking this place over, rebranding, doing some interior touches and starting from scratch. And it was the most maddening thing I'd been a part of in a long time, because despite my best efforts to enact change from the get go, it's, it's interesting. It's like the, I don't know, there's not a law of 80, 20, there's nothing like that. It's just a law of diminishing returns. It's yeah. almost like the more you put into people. So it's, you have to go back and concisely make that brand statement, you know, not nuts, but mm, 
<laughs> like one yeah. syllable, like non-negotiable. Yeah. What does that's that mean? It, it means that, you know, it's, we are the best non-negotiable. Yeah. And, and so that's, you also have to find somebody who gives a shit. It's like, I had that retail store in Chicago and I was, you know, lucky enough to have some employees that cared about our culture and our culture was developing. So we had to develop that with them. And and you realize when you went off the rail sometimes, and I, uh, I had one of our employees that was just, I didn't realize it. I made him cry. He cried. Yeah, and not because, I do that shit all the time. Apparently it, it, it not because he was like, you know, a, a, a feminine or anything like that. It just because like, I didn't realize how, you know, hard I am on people because I do have that. And that, that's something. I mean, my girl tells me that all the time. Like you have a freakish level of expectation. And I do. Someone says so I'll be I. there at eight o'clock. I'll see you at seven fifty nine. Yeah. I'm late yeah. all the time. I just want you to know. I know that about I you know. and I still love you. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it's, <clears throat> I'm insane about certain things and that's, that's what'll kill me. I'll have a heart attack. I know. Well, that. And I'm the same way, but, but for me, I, 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 I feel that I, I I don't think I have crazy expectations. I just have an expectation that I want to see my staff go with. And and I and management, it drives that. So if you have two managers and one of them believes in the culture and believes in what you're saying, and as we say in the old corp, corporate world, if they can drink the Kool-Aid and get other yeah. people to drink the Kool-Aid, then you're good. But if you have two managers, one of whom believes and one of whom starts off a premium with, okay, guys, I know, I know, I know you have other things to do, but we have to do this every day because chef said yeah. so. Then yeah. guess what? You just diminished everything that I've worked towards and everything that you say after that is, is not important to them anymore. It's just not. I'll tell you where the best culture I worked at, and it was, it was, it's kind of funny that the word best is in there, but one of the best uh, corporate cultures I had really young, I mean, I'm talking, I was like 15 or 16 working there, uh, Best Buy. We had sure. these team, team meetings every day yeah. and they would come in and like, you know, and I think it's because of the, you know, just the positioning you started when you're young. And as you got a little older, you know, when, you know, two years old, you got to be a manager and then, two, right. but you still had a pretty young team. But everybody really did care because it was based on reward and, you know, bonuses and stuff like that. But that was an interesting culture. But it, it's it's funny. I listen to you say drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's, it's those bizarre colloquialisms that you realize, like, I you know, I deal in these meetings all the time. Big companies, you know, talking about corporate change and branding and this. And, like, some of these colloquialisms will slip in. Like, you know, guys, we're just, uh, you know, uh, made a good batch of Kool-Aid. You know, we're stoked <laughs> everyone's drinking. And you're like, that's the Jonestown massacre you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, that's a mass suicide that yeah. they drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so yeah, dude, no, it is. And it, but it's, and the fun, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I see it all over. I see it in clients where I go. You know, I mean, I see it in, in restaurants when I go out to eat. I see it in travel. But but I have a, I have another thing that I say to my staff, which is we had an opportunity to exceed the expectation of our guests. Did we do that? And by had, my had is very simple. It's H stands for Hooters. When you work at Hooters, you wear orange shorts. Yeah. You don't you don't go to Hooters and say, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to wear these today. I'm going to wear blue ones instead. You yeah. wear the orange shorts, the nude hose, the white T-shirt, the white sneakers. That's what you do. American Airlines. We talk about I talk about American Air all the time because fucking half the time I'm on American Air. Half the time I'm in the air, 90% of the time I'm in the air, it's on American Air. But that plane does not take off until your seat is in the upright position, your tray table is put back up, and your seatbelt's done. 
Yeah. It's their standard. It's that simple. The host, the, the flight attendant is going to walk down and do that. And the last is Disney. And Disney is all about smiling. It's mm-hmm. a smile. You are going to smile when you work at Disney. If not, you don't have a job. So, you know, we had an opportunity to exceed the expectations of our guests and Chef Brian Duffy is nuts. It's just that yeah. simple. These are things yeah. that we have to hold on to. So, so what's going on? What's new for you now? I mean, what's your, what, what projects do you have going on? What are you doing? So we got Pan Am right now. Uh, we're going into our big, uh, big licensing season. Uh, I've got uh, some side work. We're, we're redoing the interior of that boat. Um, right. We're developing a social like, where's media. Where's the boat? The boat's in Ensenada. Ensenada San Diego. Got it. Uh, San Diego. Sun's vagina. Sun's vagina. Uh, um, poor San Diego. <laughs> poor San Diego. <laughs> Will Ferrell just fucked their culture. Oh my like god, year. the worst. Well, my yeah. friend, my friend, uh, uh, my friend Diane, who you met, uh, lives in San Diego, and yeah. uh, and so I, I mean, you know, there'll be we could go a couple of days without talking to each other, and I'll just text her. I'll be like, "Whale's vagina." Oh yeah, I this mean, is it, like it, this is like San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. San Diego. Uh, I love San Diego, dude. I could, I would move to San Diego. You know, I thought I was going to. I did. I love San Diego. It's, um, but I'll tell you, I love LA, man. LA what? has got what I dig and, and I didn't realize I dug it until I got here. Why, it's why just, did you pick San Diego or why did you pick LA? Um, a girl actually got a job out in LA. Okay. Um, first of all, so basically we woke up one day in Chicago and, uh, you know, this is after years of diminishing returns in Chicago, like socially. And I just said, uh, uh, and, and by the way, so, so, so yeah. some of you can't see Brian just fell asleep. I did. Dude, I was up until three o'clock <laughs> in the morning, up at six. I had to drive Emily to school this morning, rush home, get Fiona to school. I'm pretty and then, sure you actually just fell asleep. I, you, took no, I just you took a fucking micro nap. <laughs> <on our interview. laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. So you ride motorcycles. What was that? What are we talking about? <laughs> You're like, Hey, tell me a really long story. So I'm uh, sick here. Uh, no. So Chicago sucked <laughs> for a while. Uh, and I just said, you know, we're done. And uh, we had two opportunities. One was in San Francisco and one was in L.A. And I said, no, L.A. would be about the last place I'd ever go. We got here and it's the last place I want to leave. Yeah. Love it. My brothers love it, dude. I got to connect. I got to connect you. We should all we're, we're, we got to go out and talk and, and hang out for a little while when I come out next time. But I really want to hop down. I want to hop down into Mexico. Just take we the bikes. Mexico Let's with. just go. You know, I mean, we'll so, bring a couple. I, I have 200 pesos in my car right now. I'm good. Uh, uh, d- don't have 10,000 pesos. Cause I can tell you, I just got stopped at the border. Jesus. I see your girl in the background. I know she, she's, she's getting ready. She's what's comparing. up Mal. Mal Duffy says, hello. She, hey, she, she, uh, you know, you can't hear her. She actually no, I just heard cov- her. covered her eyes and averted. Wow. <laughs> Did she fall asleep as well? Just like I did while she talking ran. to you. <laughs> uh, no, we should definitely, definitely do that. Uh, but yeah, I got stopped into Mexico. It's like I went and I got stopped before I went into to Mexico. The U.S. side stopped me really? and said, why are you here? I said, I'm going to design a boat. And do you have $10,000 of cash in you? I said, I've never had $10,000 of cash in my fucking life. <laughs> and so then I, I only got, deposit $9,999 yeah, yeah. checks. Exactly. Uh, oh, so, so, you know, we did that. Got into the Mexico side and fucked up and went through the wrong like toll booth there. Oh, and so yeah. then they searched me and then they x-rayed my car. And then on the way back, I got global entry, but not century. Yeah. Got stuck in the century line, came back and got searched. I got searched four times Dude. in one day. It was insanity. And then uh, your ass. We, we go to the, the flat track race with all my buddies this week. And my, my buddy who's a doctor jumps in and he's like, uh, hey, I got this bag of edibles. 
because uh, I know this chick. And we're like, awesome. Great. Now this bag of edibles is in my car. And uh, so we're uh, – and I don't know if you know this. I've never smoked weed. You, do you know that? I think you and I have had the discussion because I've yeah. asked you in the past. Yeah, so I've n- never not, smoked weed yeah. in my life. Um, and so he's got this, this bag of edibles, you know, we're all talking and stuff and, uh, we get to the race and I don't have kids either. So all my shit's like immaculate, you know, like I'm anal retentive, you know, <laughs> anal retentive is hyphenated. And, uh, I get out there and there's a fucking cookie smashed into my seat. And I'm like, which one of you dicks is eating a cookie? And the, you know, and like, I'm like, are you guys children? Well, I found it. It's this edible cookie. So now I have like THC smushed into my seat. Oh my God. Dogs are fucking barking. (laughs) Fucking dogs are barking when you're parking at the beach. Oh my God. You can't even get through the, but that's so funny. Thanks. thanks So, so you have, you have global. So you, you use it now if you go in and out of Mexico. Yeah, but you have to attach it to a car. So yes, yes. Hey, hey. I don't. I go no, through I go you, through all the time. You you can go through Century as a person, but you if you go through the vehicle, if you're driving a vehicle, that vehicle has to be attached to no. your Century. No, not at all. Because I go through Amigo, I have a finger in the butt that says differently. I'm just telling you, I'm being you know, okay, I got you on that one. But I'm telling you, dude, I because I'm in and out of Tijuana with my clients that have the place that we have that place in Tijuana. So I go in and out, no problem. I just show them my global. Now the funny part is last time I was through, the guy recognized me. From doing a show in New Orleans, which was really funny. I'm like, I got to take a picture with you. And he's like, you're not taking a fucking picture of me while we're in line. He's like, it's it's bad enough that I'm holding up the entire line to talk to you. But I don't know. Maybe I have a different. Maybe I've got something weird on mine. But because I mean, I I think it was the greatest purchase that I ever made. Well, global entry. 85 bucks. Yeah, it's global entry works everywhere in the century as a person I can get across. So like, if I'm in a car and somebody else has century, I'm golden. But, oh, there you go. So That's they probably have Century as sense. well, and you've all right. got it. So, got it. The, but if you just drive a rental car across, you can't. You can't really? go in Century. I'm, no, dude, I'm glad I know that. I I never would have. Yeah. Like, I don't ever drive across, walk across, park on the San Diego side, have them pick you up, and just just park at the, you know, uh, I don't know. Huh. I didn't know that. All right, so we got to figure out how we're going to get back through if we're on bikes. That'll be easy. We're fine. Bikes, you don't need it because you you circumvent the line on bikes. Oh, you, I got you. You're right. You yeah. wait, you but you're running wait. over Mexicans in the middle selling candy. No, no, the ceramic Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my, my favorite. The one with the bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. You're right. My bad. Trip, with, a 75, with a 75 year old guy who's wearing a sweatshirt, jeans, and boots, and it's 96 degrees at the border. Yeah, I got you. It's uh, my buddy Jay. I think it was Jay who knocked over a ceramic Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Had to pay like two hundred dollars uh, just to beat the shit out. Dude, I do. I have. I'm not kidding you. In the center console, like I have a Jeep, and right in the middle of it, there's uh, I've got two hundred pesos. Yeah, just sitting there waiting for somebody to take it and realize that it's like you know a dollar eighty. Yeah, pretty so, much. Um, but dude, hey, we have been talking for an hour and a half, man. Um, I, uh, I got, uh, we, we, we've got other things we got to do for do, the day and people aren't going to listen this long. They probably stopped listening already. Much like you, they've tuned out <laughs> and I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I did. I dozed off there real quick. Um, Bryce, dude, how do we get in touch with you, man? 
Uh, you can check me out on my totally private Instagram, which is Bryce Cooper, B-R-I-C-E-C-O-O-P-E-R. Got Send it. me a message and say Duff sent me and uh, you will be a part of that family nice. and see pictures of me with chickens on my heads and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out my website, which is tinymule.com, like a small donkey, T-I-N-Y-M-U-L-E.com. It's my branding agency. And uh, that's it, man. Or you can just, uh, you know, check your local uh, sex offender record and most Perfect. likely find me. Nice. Nice. Three mile radius. We got you covered. Uh, I got to register. Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it, dude. And I will uh, I will talk to you in the next week or so. I love you, brother. Talk Cheers, you brother. Soon. Love you too, man. Be safe. I told you. I told you all that it was going to be a good one. I told you that Bryce was pretty interesting. We, we have a lot of fun. And um, you know, Bryce travels all over the world, you know, with his branding and, and with some of the companies that he works for, um, as well as the fact that the guy was a pro Harley rider. That was something that, uh, that really kind of got me. And, and, um, I have pictures that are up on my Facebook page that are pretty far back. I'll, I'll see if I can pull them forward, um, and get them posted back up. You can check out uh, a bunch of the bikes. So if you're into Harleys or Beezers or, uh, Triumphs or BMWs or any of that stuff that, uh, Bryce and I were talking about. Um, I've got some really cool pictures of the of that day that uh, that we had hopped on the bikes and and gone riding through Elgin, Illinois, and the uh, uh, and all the suburbs of of you know the back suburbs of Chicago. It was really a pretty awesome day. Um, so uh, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, you know, Duffified Live is kind of a labor of love for me. It's something that I really enjoy doing, and I was lucky enough this week that I got to uh, to to chat with Bryce. And last week we had a great conversation with Keith Bullock and. All that stuff. So um, let me thank a couple of people so everybody knows out there. Uh, kind of radioinfluence.com. They're the guys that produce this and get it all taken care of, and I appreciate that. Definitely check out Michelle Stockman out there at Techno Solutions. She will take care of all of your web stuff and your graphic design as well. Maggie Gagliardi, the amazingly talented and wonderful woman that she is who does every single one of my illustrations uh, for the promos for the show. You're a rock star. I truly appreciate that. Duffified Live um, is uh, also put together by my company, which is called Duffified Experience Group, um, which is really just a combination of consulting. And I oversee uh, a series of restaurants that I work with that I, I do menus and organization and creative sessions and all that stuff. And it's something that's really important to me, uh, you know, that I do that, that I get to, to share some of my experience in, in your world as well. So if you guys are having some issues or if even if you're not, you just want to look to increase uh, sales or change out some menu items or whatever it is, definitely give me a call uh, over at Duffified Experience Group and we will take care of every part of that. Like I said, that interview was an hour and a half long and I don't want to talk and take up everybody's day for, uh, you know, for uh, take up everybody's time for the whole day. So thank you all so much for checking us out. Uh, DuffifiedLive.com. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and please tell all of your friends as well as send me messages. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what you're thinking about it. You can easily find me on Instagram, Twitter at Chef Brian Facebook Chef Brian Duffy. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care and thank you. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B R I D U F F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is Vincent Hill. You've seen me on CNN, HLN with Nancy Grace, Al Jazeera, and True Crime with Aphrodite Jones, just to name a few. Now I've got my own show on Radio Influence, 
and I'll be taking you beyond the badge. I'll take you behind the scenes and into the minds of those following and investigating America's top news stories. Beyond the Badge with me, Vincent Hill, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and the Radio Influence family. Let's enjoy this ride as I take you beyond the badge.